This is Ozarks at Large for Tuesday, August 15th, 2023. I'm Kyle Kellams. I'm Matthew Moore. Today, a deeper look at Act 195, better known as the Youth Hiring Act 2023. Some are concerned about the impact this will have on young teenagers. I'm not sure why we took a step in the other direction by loosening these laws. Uh, I think if anything, we needed to be moving in the other direction. Plus, your teenage host for the Riding Around Show. It was originally to be a podcast, no sure. visuals. I was right, like, right. let me just get athletes on. And then I realized I could, you know, use my love for cars that was also shared with a lot of athletes to rent some cars to do some cool shoots with the athletes. Like, but I was thinking photos at that point. And knowing the difference between a brand name and a generic term. This doesn't sound nearly as yummy, especially to a kid, but what's the generic name for the jiggly, artificial, fruity taste and refrigerated dessert? Our militant grammarian returns after the news from NPR. Support for KUAF is provided by its contributing listeners and by the Walmart app. Presenting Beck with songs like Loser and Where It's At, Friday, August 18th, with French indie pop band Phoenix returning to Northwest Arkansas after headlining the Format Festival. Tickets at amptickets.com. Best Friends Animal Society is working with members of our community to save the lives of homeless pets and shelters across Arkansas and the nation. The Resource Center in Bentonville offers adoptable pets, volunteer opportunities, or sign up to provide a foster home to an animal in need. Plus food pantry, dog wash, and a weekly vaccine and microchip clinic. More at bestfriends.org slash NWA. It is Tuesday, August 15th, 2023, and this is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellams. Later on our show, Noah Washington is a 19-year-old sophomore at the University of Arkansas with a big following for his YouTube program, the Riding Around Show. He combines his love of cars and sports as he takes car rides with some of the top athletes at the University of Arkansas. He recently talked with Randy Wilburn. It's part of the latest episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast, and we'll hear an excerpt in about 15 minutes. First today, work permits are no longer required for children under the age of 16 in Arkansas. That's because of Act 195, a new child labor law that took effect earlier this month. Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich reports. The Youth Hiring Act of 2023, signed into law by Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders last March, repeals a century-old law that required employers of children under 16 to verify a child's age as well as parental consent. Here's sponsor, Republican Representative Rebecca Burks of Lowell, pitching the measure to members of the Arkansas House Chamber last February prior to a final vote. This bill simply seeks to eliminate the work permit required by our state government before somebody under the age of 16 can get a job. Uh, At least 15 states do not have this work permit requirement, and the federal government does not require this work permit. Child labor laws date back to the Industrial Revolution, when children worked long hours for scant wages, often in dangerous work conditions like factories and coal mines. Arkansas's originating child labor law passed in 1914, required parents and employers to sign and submit work permits for approval by the State Division of Labor, which Burke cited as onerous. There's no reason why anyone should have to get the government's permission to get a job. Bear in mind that the employer is still responsible and liable if they violate any of the other numerous child labor laws that we have. 
Those laws include limiting the number of hours minors are allowed to work and what sorts of jobs they can be hired to work. But Laura Kellum, the Northwest Arkansas Director of Arkansas Advocates for Children and Families, disagrees, saying a child's work permit does three important things. It ensured that, uh, that they had proof of the young person's age, that they had the young person had permission from a parent or guardian to do this job. And uh, very importantly, that the employer outlined um, and attested to the fact that they were going to follow the special labor laws that apply to young people that age. One example is that the permits require employers to ensure that children under 16 would not work late on school nights. Children aren't allowed to work overnight shifts either, Kellum says. In effect, the new law erases a paper trail showing parental or guardian consent as well as age verification. It was a layer of protection that we provided to young people. It was an acknowledgement that hiring a 14-year-old isn't the same as hiring a 16-year-old, that we, you know, we need to be very protective of their the hours in their day to ensure that uh, work doesn't interfere with their education, um, and that we need to be very careful about the types of work that they're uh, allowed to do because their bodies are smaller. They're, um, they need more protection for uh, in several ways under state law. Callum says no industry or business came forward during debate to testify for the measure, but the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce has publicly opposed it. She says one group that influenced Representative Burks is the Foundation for Government Accountability, a conservative think tank headquartered in Florida. Republican lawmakers in over a dozen states are considering bills to weaken child labor protections, similar to what Arkansas and four other states have done. The question is, why? You know, we didn't expect to see uh, an attack on child labor protections in Arkansas. Uh, nationally, there's a push to address uh, a labor shortage with young people who are cheaper to hire. The Progressive Economic Policy Institute says protective child labor laws are being eliminated at a precarious time just as violations are rising. The U.S. Department of Labor recently reported that between October 2022 and July of this year, nearly 4,500 children were employed in violation of federal child labor laws and assessed more than $6.6 million in penalties against their employers. There's nothing wrong with having a job at a young age. I was working at the age of 14. Democrat State Senator Greg Letting of Fayetteville. But I do think we have to be careful. We have to have appropriate guards in place. Uh, to protect children, because that's obviously a young age. Just a few weeks before Act 195 was debated on the Senate floor, a poultry processing plant in Batesville and another in Green Forest were found violating child labor laws. So um, I'm not sure why we took a step in the other direction by loosening these laws. And I think, if anything, we needed to be moving in the other direction, as we ultimately ended up doing with Act 687. Act 687, which was co-sponsored by Senator Letting, increases penalties for child labor violations. I think that is a good and necessary thing. Uh, My only comment there is that that's not a preventive measure. That is a reactive measure. So if anybody's going to be subject to that, they have already uh, had a violation. And I think we should be doing more to protect children from ever uh, being in that kind of position. So um, I'm proud and, and happy that we were able to pass Act 687, but I still question the need for Act 195. 
Arkansas's current child labor laws bars minors under age 16 from working in heavy building trades, mines, sawmills, and in bars. It also prohibits children under 16 from working in food processing plants. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich. A recent study shows that child deaths in Arkansas were up in 2020 after experiencing a downward trend three years prior. The Arkansas Democrat Gazette reports that lawmakers discussed the trend highlighted in the annual Infant and Child Death Review Program. The program is managed by Arkansas Children's Hospital and UAMS. Researchers found that most child deaths were caused by accidents, such as motor vehicle accidents and asphyxia. Some deaths were caused by undetermined factors, but mostly occurred in adult beds. The report also showed that suicides were higher among black children than for white children. Every day, you hear lots of news on Ozarks at Large. But have you ever wanted to test your listening skills? Now you can with KUAF's Word Puzzle. It's just like your other favorite daily word games that feature five-letter words and color-based hints. But you might even get a hint from the previous day's Ozarks at Large broadcast. Go to KUAF's website, or newsword.org slash KUAF to start playing Daily Puzzles now. In our second half hour today, a quiz. What do these words all have in common? Band-Aid, Kleenex, Velcro. They're not generic terms, but trademarked product names. And our militant grammarian, Catherine Schultz, points out that journalists are only supposed to use those trademark names when referring to to that specific product. The whole brand name as common name conundrum got me to wondering about how good we journalists are at describing items that people recognize mostly by their brand names. So Mm. let's go. Sure, we know if it isn't Kleenex, we can call it a tissue. But how do you describe Velcro if that fastener on your shoes or jacket isn't actually made by Velcro? That and other generic descriptions for trademark products later on today's Ozarks at Large. Hey, this is Steve Inskeep with NPR's Morning Edition, a radio program that is consistent. You hear the same voices at the same time every morning, no matter what is happening in the world. You hear familiar voices. This morning, we bring you news of a huge legal settlement. Bringing often unfamiliar and surprising facts. Unidentified anomalous phenomena. Listen every weekday. You can hear Morning Edition Every weekday from 5 until 9 a.m. on 91.3 KUAF with your local host, Daniel Carruth, in the Karen Taha News Studio. You can also ask your smart speaker to play KUAF. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. I'm Matthew Moore. The Arkansas Department of Education decided on Friday that they would no longer recognize AP African American history for course credit in the state and that the state would not cover the $90 test cost for this class. African-American studies was piloted last year in Arkansas by 60 different schools and was intended for high school students to be able to receive college credit for the class for the first time this spring at universities, including the University of Arkansas. The Department of Education released a statement yesterday that says, quote, The department encourages the teaching of all American history and supports rigorous courses not based on opinions or indoctrination, end quote. Ozarks at Large reached out to Kim Mandel, the Director of Communications for the Department of Education, asking for specific examples of the coursework the department deemed based on opinion or as indoctrination, and they declined to provide any examples. 
Arkansas has an African-American history course listed in the ADE course code management system for the 2023-24 school year, but it is not an AP course that students may take to earn college credit. Arkansas's new state treasurer, Larry Walther, says his first week on the job has been dedicated to understanding the department better. What I'd like to do is come in and just, you know, observe, learn about the, the Treasury, and then see where we can, where I can make some improvements. There's obviously, I want to see, you know, who are our customers? Who, who are the people that really benefit from the day-to-day work that, at the Treasury so I can help maybe promote that? Cities and counties, we work with cities and counties all the time. Walter was appointed to the position by Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders after the death of former Treasurer Mark Lowry. Walter had spent the previous eight years at the Arkansas Department of Finance and Administration. He made his comments during an interview with Roby Brock from Talk Business and Politics. Former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson says it's more true than ever that Donald Trump is not qualified to be president again. Hutchinson, a current Republican candidate for the White House, made his comments after the former president was indicted in Georgia last night in connection to attempting to interfere in the 2020 election. Chuck Hoskin Jr. is officially beginning his second four-year term as the principal chief of the Cherokee Nation. Chief Hoskin was sworn in for his second term yesterday in Tahlequah after being re-elected earlier this year. In his inaugural address, Chief Hoskin noted that the Cherokee Nation is one of the world's oldest democracies. Across three centuries of our democracy and our resolve as a free people, well, they've been tested and at times they've been suppressed. Now, through it all, I proudly say this as your principal chief, the Cherokee Nation has bent, but it has never broken. He also told the audience the Cherokee Nation is, in many aspects, still a young nation. Not driven by the idea of every man for himself, but, by, but driven by the idea that we owe each other something, that we rise and fall together, and that we leave no one behind. This old democracy, closing out the first quarter of the 21st century, feels so young. It feels like a nation with so much potential, so much greatness within our people, so much ambition, and so much to prove. Brian Warner was also sworn in yesterday for a second four-year term as deputy chief. The Razorback soccer team is projected to win the Southeastern Conference by the league's coaches. The poll was released yesterday. Earlier this summer, the Razorbacks were placed eighth in the preseason United Soccer Coaches National Preseason Poll. Arkansas season begins Thursday night against Arkansas State. And the Northwest Arkansas Naturals will continue their quest for a playoff berth tonight in Corpus Christi, Texas. The Nats open up a six-game series there this evening. With 30 games left in the regular season, the Naturals are a half game out of first place in the Texas League North. They next play in Springdale one week from tonight. This is Ozarks at Large. Noah Washington's The Riding Around Show on YouTube delivers exactly that, time spent riding around in a car with guests. Often, Noah is visiting with athletes from the University of Arkansas, 
but he's also invited University of Arkansas Chancellor Charles Robinson and former Miss Arkansas Ebony Mitchell along for drives. Among the program's fans, Randy Wilburn, the host of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. Randy's latest episode includes a conversation with Noah, who is a 19-year-old sophomore at the University of Arkansas. Noah is the son of a Razorback athlete and says he developed a love for cars at an early age. I don't even think I told my parents really before I did it. I kind of was just like, let me order the cameras. I have the vision. Let me learn how to set this up and let me just get a guest on. I love that. No, see, that's what I'm always saying about your generation, right? You're part of Gen Z. And I mean, you certainly, I mean, you you can take direction, but you also are willing to ideate and try new things, right? And I think that's, that is the, and certainly you are no, you know, you're no stranger to cameras because you're the generation that grew up with, you know, TikTok and Snapchat and Vine and all these others. I mean, so, I mean, it, it's almost a natural thing, extension for you to be able to kind of do something that is like what you're doing with the Riding Around show. Yeah. So, so tell me this, what is the thing that has really, I mean, what was the original idea behind the show? And did you get any inspiration whatsoever from James Corden, the late, late night show? Yeah. So the original concept, I would say I got to give credit to Car Test by Title. Okay. Um, it's a Elliot Wilson title owned by Jay-Z. I watched, they did a car episode with Nipsey Hussle. Okay. And so in the back of the car, they talked with Nipsey Hussle about, you know, his, where he was at in his career and played some of his music. And I saw that and I, you know, Nipsey Hussle is one of my all time great songs. I saw that. I was like, I he died too young. Yeah, that's true. He died really too young. So yeah, such a talented individual, but. Man, I didn't mean to cut you You're off, good. but yeah, as, as I was thinking about this, because actually a good friend of mine that I went to college with was a mentor to Nipsey Hussle and it broke, it broke him up when he died. You know, he lived out in LA and, and really spoke into his life. And he said that, he said that Nipsey Hussle had such a vision, not just for himself, but for his community, which was huge. So I try um, to embody that as much as I can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure he'd be smiling down on you right now because you're kind of taking you know, the onus on yourself, right? Mm-hmm. To kind of get out there and do something and, and essentially create something from nothing, which yeah. I can truly understand because that's what I did with this podcast. I didn't, you know, I didn't have a framework for it. I was like, I think I want to do this. And I was already podcasting. So it was just kind of a natural thing. Had you had any previous experience, even though you had the inspiration with the show that you mentioned, had you had any previous experience with cameras, with you know, telling your story from a visual standpoint? No, all happened within a three month period where I started vlogging and then transitioned into doing the show. So I interviewed, I moved to campus. I took a gap year. I got an apartment on campus, wasn't a student though. And I started vlogging games I would go to and went down one time and interviewed KJ Jefferson after a football game. And I realized podcasts were, you know, kind of a big thing during COVID at that point. And I was like, okay, I have access to these athletes through my dad. I already am vlogging sports events. You know, maybe you, let me use my access to start a, this kind of goes back to your question about where was the vision. It was originally to be a podcast, no sure. visuals. I was right, like, right. let me just get athletes on. And then I realized I could, you know, use my love for cars that was also shared with a lot of athletes to rent some cars, to do some cool shoots with the athletes. Like, but I was thinking photos at that point. Right. And I realized after I saw the car testing with Nipsey, I was like, I can put these podcast interview guests in a car. Yeah. And then it became a show rather than a podcast. Oh, man. So I love that because I think that shows your creativity, right? With it, you're kind of like, you're kind of 
it's almost like a mashup of different ideas. It's remix how, for sure. Right. Yeah. Or remix. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. It is a remix. And you have you've kind of taken and even what I like about your show, and I really want to encourage everybody to, and we'll put in the show notes a link to Noah's YouTube channel. You can easily reach and, and I want to encourage you to subscribe. I want to be the reason why he has a thousand new subscribers right here in Northwest Arkansas that everybody that listens to the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast decides to support this young man and what he's doing with the Riding Around show. But you took, you know, what what was essentially the idea of an interview and totally elevated it to a whole nother level where you've got some funny and witty banter, some serious questions, right? Yeah. You are able to inject some humor into it, the conversation. And of course, there's the carpool karaoke itself, right? right? Which is kind of like, that's like the coup de grace of all, all of it, right? And For copyright reasons, we have to say car karaoke. Car karaoke. Carpool karaoke. Yeah, is so is that how you're able to play the music that you play? No, most of our episodes aren't monetized. Okay. So okay. on YouTube, if you play another artist's music, it copyrights the episode, which means you can't monetize it. Okay. So all of our income comes from advertisers. We I don't get you. any AdSense or anything from I YouTube. Got you. Right. Yeah, because if you, yeah, because it, Typically, for those of you, and if you're like me and you spend a lot of time on YouTube, you have to endure a lot of ads. But on Noah's show, you don't have to endure those ads. What I did like about it was how you were able to selectively highlight those organizations and businesses that you partner with. And I think that's important to understand that none of this stuff that we do, what I do, what Noah does, is it's free. It all costs money. I mean, I'm in the Furman Garner performance studio here at the lovely KUAF studios, but all of this costs money. I mean, it costs money to keep the lights on. And so anytime you are consuming this digital content, whether it's audio through podcasts, like what I do, or whether you're watching Noah's video on YouTube, that all costs money. And in order for him to be able to continue to do this, you know, he needs support. And that's what where he gets some of that support from some of the car companies that he works with, which I thought was an ingenious idea because it's like, why wouldn't a, car, a local car company want to, you know, loan a car or two out to you? Now you're a young guy. Yeah, I was going to say, besides the fact that- Besides I was, the fact that you're yeah. a young guy and, and certainly you hit that. I remember, and this is just an aside, but I remember when I turned 25, it was a big deal. Why? Well, because car rental companies yeah. treat you differently when you're 25. Yeah. And you'll learn that in a few years. You got a ways to go, but don't, don't rush your youth because my one piece of advice, and I have I have a son that's one year younger than you, Joshua, and I keep telling him, just take your time because it will all roll out for you. Before you know it, you'll look back and be like, dang, I'm 30. Where did, yeah. where did all the time go? By then, you'll probably have something on the networks or you will have <laughs> created your own network, right? So, But no, seriously, though, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on to this podcast, too, was because I think people don't realize that it's not as hard as you think. I mean, it's hard mm-hmm. to put the work in. But it's not as it's hard, hard to stay you, consistent. It's hard sure. to stay consistent. Yeah. But I would love for you just to kind of talk to people about what has become your inspiration mm-hmm. for doing this show on a regular basis. I know a lot of work goes into it. I don't know if you do your own editing or mm-hmm. if you do all of that. Like, because I mean, some people are one stop shop. I used to edit my audio, but I don't anymore because I have an editor. But I mean, it's so yeah. how about for you? So I'll answer inspiration and then production behind the scenes first. So inspiration, definitely just the impact I can have on the community and the people I can meet. It's like, I mean, I, I was never someone who originally was like, oh, I want to be famous. I, but having fans is the weirdest experience. Getting asked for photos in public is, it used to be awkward for me, but now it's just kind of 
you know, just like validation of my work. And I love talk, stopping and talking to those people about what their favorite episode was and stuff like that. Um, and then going to basketball games and kind of just talking to the fans who love like, oh, I never seen the athletes in this light. And so yeah. definitely the impact I can have on whatever community I'm covering. Sure. And then the production standpoint. Yeah. I mean, we film with five cameras that all has to be synced up and edited for every episode. Takes about 20 hours of editing per episode. Wow. For the first nine to 10 months, almost a year, I did it all myself. Really? So I would go, you know, network for the advertiser, network and secure the guests, prep the night before for the interview, set up the equipment, film with the guests, go home, put it all on a hard drive, edit it for the next week, put it out, clip it, market it. Like, it's the whole thing. Noah Washington is the host of the Riding Around Show on YouTube. The entire conversation with Randy Wilburn can be heard on the latest episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. You can find the podcast at KUAF.com or at any place you listen to podcasts. University of Arkansas political science professor Patrick Stewart recently published a book examining the 2016 and 2020 presidential primary debates. The book focuses on the role played by the studio audience during debates through their applause, cheering, laughter, and booing of candidates, and how this affects reporters and everyone watching at home. Our debates are the one time during the electoral cycle that we're able to take a look at our candidates and get an unbiased look at who they are. They're not stage managed, they aren't preformed, they aren't already edited into a specific sort of marketing brand during the debates. We get to see them and how they react to questions and to comments in real time. You can hear more in the latest edition of Short Talks from the Hill. Listen at KUAF.com, at arkansasresearch.uark.edu, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. If you ever miss a story or an episode of Ozarks at Large on the air, we have some other ways you can catch up. One way is by following the Ozarks at Large podcast in the app of your choosing. You can also ask your smart speaker to play Ozarks at Large, and you'll have instant access to the latest edition of our show. And you can start your weekday off with the Ozarks at Large newsletter in your email inbox. You can find links to the podcast and the newsletter on our website, ozarksatlarge.com. For the Central Arkansas Library System, I'm Mark Chris with an Encyclopedia of Arkansas Minute. A warship name for Crittenden County would be used in atomic bomb testing. The USS Crittenden, a 4,427-ton Gilliam-class attack transport, was launched on November 6, 1944. Arriving in the Pacific late in the war, the Crittenden was mainly used to transport occupation troops from the Philippine Islands to Japan and then ferry American troops back to the U.S. in late 1945 and January 1946. In February, the Crittenden sailed to take part in Operation Crossroads at the Bikini Atoll in the Marshall Islands, which involved an atomic air test on July 1 and an undersea atomic explosion on July 25, with the battleship USS Arkansas being destroyed in the latter. The vessel was towed to Kwajalein in August to see how exposure to the atomic explosions had affected it. The Crittenden was decommissioned in August 1946 before being towed to San Francisco. The transport was destroyed in an explosive test off the California coast on October 5, 1948. To learn more, visit encyclopediaofarkansas.net. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm pleased that in the Anthony and Susan Holy News studio with me, Catherine Shirls. Welcome back. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, I bet you remember from journalism classes that news writers are supposed to use generic names or description for brand names. Oh, and the companies 
would take out ads in trade journals about journalism and news reporting to say, remember, and I don't want to blow one that you might be talking (laughs) about later, this is a product name and not a generic name. Uh Oh, yeah, yeah, because they often slip into – Right. That's why the companies want you to do that because they don't want – They want their trademark. Yeah, they want to save their trademark. However, in personal columns, it's okay to use the brand name unless the trademark holder of that brand name objects, which is what happened to me years ago when I wrote about playing Scrabble. Right. They they wrote you and said that you <laughs> had to— Some lawyer from Selchow and Ryder, which used to own the board game, sent me a letter objecting strongly. He had lots of inane suggestions about how to honor the company's trademark, but the worst was that the name Scrabble should be written in all caps— with the trademark sign after it. Yeah, right, I thought, as I held up my AP-style book. (laughs) I can't blame him for trying. No. (laughs) He did his job. Right. Anyway, Kyle, the whole brand name as common name conundrum got me to wondering about how good we journalists are at describing items that people recognize mostly by their brand names. So Mm. let's go. Okay. So how would you describe Band-Aid? Oh, well, a Band-Aid is a, a, a wound cover, a, a bandage. Okay. And that's what they th- – this um, – folks who did this uh, comparison said. But I think of bandage as something to protect a much larger wound than ones we they would call boo-boos. Right. But, I, but of course, I use Band-Aid generically, so. I do, too. So if, if you are to write, rip the Band-Aid off, you better be talking about that specific brand. Y- yeah, yeah. Because that's capital B? Yeah, B-A-N-D hyphen A, capital A-I-D. Wow. But I, I, I'm wondering as an editor, I, I think I would probably just stick with bandage. Yeah. But yeah, or yeah. if you're quoting somebody, right. of course. Right, 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 yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you write about a carbonated drink mm-hmm. in a can or bottle, what do you call it generically? I know you're supposed to call it pop or soda. <laughs> but I grew up in Arkansas and we called it Coke. We call it Coke. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't put that in a piece. I know better than right, that. But, right, right. But in casual, yeah. I mean, my mom would say, what? I'm going to the store. What kind of Cokes do you want? Dr. Pepper. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. That drives some people uh, nuts. No matter the fa- flavor, color, or maker, it's a Coke. Now, I would think if you're Coca-Cola, I get it. But aren't you at least happy that people aren't saying, what kind of Pepsi do you want? I don't think Coke. Well, maybe. Do you think Coke objects to that? I, I doubt don't. seriously that yeah. they do. Yeah. Yeah. I think this was a new lawyer at Selkown, right? He's got to do something. By the way, anyone who hasn't toured the world of Coca-Cola Museum in Atlanta must do so. Oh, I've heard about this. It's a lot of fun, and you get to taste 60 flavors of Coke from around the world. Wow. Think twice about trying Italy's flavor. You've been warned. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Everybody that you encounter at that place will warn you of it. And, of course, I had to try it. Yeah. Nasty. Is it spicy? Or? No, it's it's like dishwater or something. I don't know. It's really bad. Okay, Kyle, what brand has become so connected with finding things on the Internet that it has become a verb? Oh, you can Google that. Mm-hmm. And how would you write around it? Search engine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, this doesn't sound nearly as yummy, especially to a kid, but what's the generic name for the jiggly, artificial, fruity-tasting, refrigerated dessert? <sighs> Boy, I grew up on this stuff. Jello. Okay, that's not that, the generic. No, gelatin. Mm-hmm. Gelatin is generic. Mm-hmm. Jello is the brand. Right, right. All right, Kyle, here are some other names that we use but would have to be genericized, if mm-hmm. that's a word, in news reporting. 
Kleenex for what? Tissue. Lazy Boy. Reclining chair. Q-tip. Cotton swab. Taser. Um, electronic weapon. Uh, Stun it, gun. Uh, yeah, shock. Yeah. Electronic shock device, but I'm sure any of those would be fine. Velcro. Oh God, what would you call Velcro if you're not calling it Velcro? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what. How you, you do? don't know what it is, do you? I mean, it's. How does it connect? It, do you know? With a noise. Have you looked at it close. <laughs> no. Uh, what would I call Velcro if I didn't call it? I um. Adjoining, <laughs> connecting strips. It's called adjective. Compound adjective fastener, something fastener. I'm sure you don't know it. I don't. Hook and loop. Oh. That's how it connects itself. There's a okay. hook on one side and a loop on the other. If I was telling someone <laughs> that the jacket, you could close your jacket with hook and loop fasteners, they don't know what I'm talking no, about. That's I'm going to go with Velcro. Yeah, I agree. Oh, sorry, I mean, Velcro. I don't think anybody reading... You know, it was uh, closed with a hook and loop fastener would understand. I would think uh, one of those coats like Paddington Bear wears. You know, you've got the, the wooden thing in there and you put it through the the little loop and then you... Yeah. I wouldn't think Velcro. No, I wouldn't either, but that's that's what it is. All right. Okay. Tabasco for what? Hot sauce. Yeah. Well, I do hear that. And I would think if you are Louisiana hot sauce or someone else, you wouldn't want Tabasco to become genericized. No. Yeah, no, absolutely not. But it has. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, but I think hot sauce doesn't narrow it down enough these days. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, there's, uh, what am I thinking of? Sriracha. Yeah. And yeah. is it Reds? Yep. Reds there's Texas hot... Pete. But, uh-huh. but yeah, right, right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah, but Sriracha is not what I. Oh, it's I, not the same thing. Right. If, but it if, is hot sauce. It is hot sauce. But yeah. I think if someone is at a restaurant and they ask for the. You know, generically thinking Tabasco, they mean Louisiana hot sauce or something that comes in. Yeah. They're not the, I think they would ask for sriracha by name. Now, what if you ask for pepper sauce? What would you be expecting then? I have pepper sauce. You call yourself a southerner? What is pepper? Well, what is pepper sauce? Do you eat greens and cabbage? Yeah. And you just eat them like they are? You don't no, put No, I put anything? in sriracha or Tabasco. <laughs> <laughs> You don't know what pepper sauce is? It's peppers in vinegar. Oh, I see those on restaurant tables all the time. That's pepper sauce. I just thought they were trying to keep flies away or something. <laughs> no. I've never touched Goes one of those. Goes really well. You should try it on right. your greens and cabbage. Is it spicy? Uh, it's it. No, not terribly hot. Oh. Uh, peppery hot. Okay. Not at all. all right. um, it's mostly like vinegar. Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah, but uh, all right. yeah, okay. I'll try it. Well. Um, when you ask, when you ask for pepper sauce, I'll tell you my experience. It depends on whether you're in the deep south or not, because if you're not, you'll get Tabasco. Ah, interesting, mm-hmm. interesting. Okay, here's some suggestive generic names that would totally escape me as to what they are. Kind of like hook and hook and loop. Mm-hmm. Would you know what sticky paper is? Post-its. Mm-hmm. How about plastic laminate? Saran wrap? No. Nope. Uh, You're in the right room. Wax in the, paper. In the, nope. Uh, it's it's not it's not consumer use. Oh. I mean it's it's builder use. Drywall. No, I don't know. Formica. Oh. Plastic laminate. Okay. Kind of like yeah. this, I guess. All right. Um, what would you be describing with the term 
polystyrene foam. Styrofoam. See, I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) And here are some that I just think don't go far enough with their generic descriptions. Okay. Crackers for saltines. No, because cracker is wide Especially these days. Yeah. Yeah. Saltine is a saltine. Yeah. Marker for Sharpie. Mm, That's getting closer. Yeah, but... You know, not just any marker will keep your sports hero's autographs well, safely true. on your ball glove. That's true. The Sharpie has that point, uh-huh. and the marker could and, be— And it doesn't go away right, as right, easily. Right, Okay, Kyle, how would you describe generically the fried potatoes that look like little wine bottle corks? Uh, tots. Mm-hmm. Is that what you call them? Just tots? Or tater tots. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a trick question. Oh. It seems there really isn't a truly descriptive phrase for tater tots. Not an official? Not a generic. Uh, ah. I'm sorry, I should have said generic. Yeah. yeah. The term tater tot is a proprietary name owned by Oreata. Uh-huh. In Australia, tots are widely called potato gems, <laughs> and non-Oreata brands have called them tater treats, tasty taters, Potato crunchies, and this one I love, spud puppies. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Oriata's website calls these imposters imitators. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. Hats off to someone Whoever came up yes. with that, nice. you know, they're loving that. Yes. Okay, finally, a story from Gerald Jordan, who was once asked to give a reference for a former student. The student was submitting a bid to erect a very large building and used all the details I suppose one must submit, including the the trash bins. Uh, But he used the brand name, which is... Dumpster. Yes. That is not a generic term. It is not. And Jordan tells the story proudly because the journalism major he trained capitalized the brand name Dumpster in his proposal. The city had never seen that before. Right. So... Uh, the generic, it's not necessarily a dumpster fire. It's a trash bin fire. Yeah. 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 Not nearly as no. descriptive and right. fun, is it? Yeah, that party was a whole trash bin fire. That <laughs> doesn't work. <laughs> Catherine Sherolds is our middle grammarian. <laughs> That's the Fayetteville High School Band Drumline getting a night of all things drumming started this past Saturday night at George's Majestic Lounge on Dixon Street in Fayetteville. The organization Drummers in Arkansas hosted the night, which included the induction of the class for the Arkansas Drummers Hall of Fame for 2023 and recognized the drummers who were in previous classes announced during the pandemic and never had a chance for public congratulations. During the day, there were drummer workshops and performances. You can see pictures from the evening at the Facebook page for Drummers of Arkansas. Now we're going to dip into our show's recent past to give you more information about a few things happening in the near future. Friday night, there will be a celebration for the latest mural addition to downtown Bentonville. Lakes and Rivers features two large smallmouth bass on a wall of the ledger. The larger of the two fish measures about 93 feet long and has more than 268,000 shimmering discs that make the fish feel like it comes alive when there's a breeze. In June, the creator of the mural, Stefan Sagemeister, talked to us from his studio in Brooklyn. He told us that the inspiration for filling the large wall 
comes from the abundance of rivers, lakes, and streams in northwest Arkansas. But he admits getting to inspiration wasn't so speedy. In this case, uh, we had agreed on a on a on a on a on a day when I would show a presentation of this of what I had in mind, and this day would come closer. And I still didn't have, I mean, of course, I had many ideas, but none of them that I was really happy with. And so what I resorted to, which really I didn't have to resort to in a couple of years, I think, was that I took a bunch of index cards. There must have been maybe a hundred. And I wrote down every single thought I had about that wall on a separate index card. And I would, uh, I think I must have filled out 70, 80, 90 of these cards. I still have them somewhere. And then I went downstairs on a very large table and I put all of these cards on the table and I tried to see if there were any kind of relations between any of these thoughts. And I did that a couple of times and then immediately tried to forget about the whole thing. But this intense involvement with the subject normally, and also in this case, leads to an idea when I start not thinking about it. Stefan Sagemeister will be in Bentonville Friday night to talk about his mural. Oz Art is hosting a community gathering at the Ledger from 5 to 7 Friday evening, and the artist will participate in a live question-and-answer session. Saturday and Sunday, plenty of baseball at Sam Peroni's baseball field on West Highway 16 in Fayetteville. The youth tournament starts at 9 both mornings and will raise money for the Alzheimer's Association. The field is not just any backyard field. There are dugouts, a concession stand, and a working electronic scoreboard. Like a Northwest Arkansas Field of Dreams, the play takes place right outside his back door. We took in the tournament last year, and Sam then explained to us how he started hosting the games a few years earlier. We started the tournament unofficially three years ago, and then we decided to do do it right. And so the actual first annual Peroni Field Invitational was last year. This year's benefits Alzheimer's research. That's right. We're giving the money to the Alzheimer's Association and designated for Alzheimer's research. You know, sometimes we say, I built something or we built something. I, getting the idea that when you say you built it, you built it. You, well, I, I didn't physically build all of it, but I built it. Yes, I built it. I actually um, found some plans to a baseball field and I hired a bulldozer guy and got him out here and then I had some friends uh, come out and we measured it all up and, and uh, put the sod down for the infield and just did all of that ourselves, yeah. And you are a retired attorney? A lawyer, yes. Lawyer, yeah. Uh-huh. Is there any similarity between baseball and the law? Baseball and the law. Yes, I think there is. And that is preparation. I'm a big believer in preparation. Um, all the preparation that goes into this tournament for it to go off and everybody enjoy themselves is tremendous. And I use volunteers, 
but there's a lot that goes into this. And without preparation, people would come out here, we wouldn't have enough supplies in the concession stand, they have to sit in the sun, just a lot of different things. Uh, the the uh, bathroom wouldn't work properly or maybe be something that people didn't want to go into. Uh, there's a whole lot of that stuff that, uh, that needs to be taken care of, and that's the same way with the law. Um, I've always believed that uh, lawyers that prepare the most and the best are the best lawyers. Sam Peroni at his Field of Dreams last year. This year's tournament is Saturday and Sunday, beginning at 9 each day. The goal, to raise $10,000 for the Alzheimer's Association. And Thursday night, the next songwriters in the round at Meteor Guitar Gallery in Bentonville will feature Ashton Barbary, Al Papa Rap Lopez, Dominic B. Roy, and David Starr. David grew up in Fayetteville, though he now lives in Colorado, but he still tours the country. In 2018, he was in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio and played a then-new song for us that he wrote with Irene Kelly. It's called Don't Give Me Hope. You say that you love me, you don't want to hurt me, I know you believe that it's real. But if you should ask me what I really need, I'll tell you just how I feel The damage is done Nobody won It's time that we both face the facts And those baby blue eyes And pretty words won't bring me back Don't give me hope Cause I'll just hang on To your promises pulling I should move on I hung up on you And I just need the truth That's all I got just enough room To pull myself out So don't give me hope Don't say you'll be different Cause you can't be different Believe me baby I Stubborn as I am, I can tell when it's time to let go. And there's no denying those demons you're fighting me always be there in your way. But I'm fighting them too each time you ask me to stay. Don't give me hope. David Starr in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio in March 2018. He'll be one of four songwriters on stage Thursday night at the Meteor Guitar Gallery in downtown Bentonville. Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, how an annual performance review in the midst of COVID-19 turned into a network of free-to-use refrigerators across Fayetteville. I had an annual review with my boss, and he, he said, okay, you know, give me goals for the next year. If you could do anything, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to do this. I want to start this friendly fridge thing that I've been reading about. And he said, okay, great. What do you need? And I said, actually, 
nothing because I, I had an extra refrigerator and I just thought, you know what, I don't really need that. I'll donate my own. And he said, okay, great. What do you need? I said, I just need somebody to help me move it. A network of friendly fridges continues to grow in the region. That's tomorrow at noon and at 7 p.m. on KUAF Public Radio. It's the Community Spotlight on KUAF. I'm Pete Hartman. Today I'm joined over the phone by Joe Neal, co-author of Arkansas Birds with Doug James and a retired wildlife biologist. Good to hear from you again. Yeah, it's good to be back over the years when I was the bird man for KUAF. That is right. Uh, Joe, by many people, considered uh, an, a national expert in birds and birding. And that's why this Sunday we all have a great opportunity to hear him. Hobbs State Park Conservation Area will host Joe. Uh, taking a look at the Ozark chinkapin. Now, that's a tree. And the birds and pollinators that kind of gravitate around them. Well, uh, Steve Churchill from Hobbs sent me a photograph of a bird that he had seen in a grove of Ozark chinkapins. He photographed a yellow-throated warbler in that grove of trees. And so he asked if I would come and look at the grove and find out what else I could find out about uh, the birds there. And uh, I recorded birds. And then after I'd recorded birds for a while, I walked around and photographed pollinators at the trees, including some birds. And the overall idea was just to see the bird associations around that grove of trees and then also the pollinators that are actually coming to the flowers on the Ozark chinkapin. So that's what I did. And this will be a report on that particular day with some of the birds and some of the pollinators that I was able to photograph. There is an actual effort to get this native chinkapin back and growing. So about 65 years ago, a chestnut blight hit, and I guess it took out most, if not all of them? It took out all the mature trees, and what was left were small trees, and then some came back as stump growth. A lot of people, including folks at Hobbs, are looking for ways to protect them so that they can keep growing. This Sunday, August 20th, again, 2 p.m. at the Parks Visitor Center. That location is 20201 East Highway 12 there in Rogers. Speaking with Joe Neal, who will be giving that talk. Obviously, you're still active in uh, birds and birding. How often do you get out a lot? I get out a lot. I've stayed healthy enough to uh, go out regularly, and I get up to Hobbs quite a bit. It's a great, you know, 14,000 acres. It is the state's largest state park and so it's a great place to go birding i'm also very interested in all kinds of pollinators beetles butterflies wasps all kinds of flies and so the chance to go into this grove of trees that they're growing uh, ozark chinkapins was pretty exciting they've got to be one of the most active state parks in offering these public talks as well and that's what's so great about this again that's coming up this sunday joe neal will talk to you about uh, uh, birds and other pollinators and their relationship with the arkansas native chinkapin uh, joe thanks for letting us know about this hope you have a good crowd well i think it'll be fun it's a uh, friends of hobbs speaker series, and I was just pretty excited to get to go down there and see the chinkapins. All right, we truly appreciate it. Yeah, nice talking to you, Pete. The Community Spotlight on KUAF. Your voice matters. You can send me an email. That's Pete at KUAF.com. 
This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Springdale, and Jasper. Contributors today included Jacqueline Froelich, Randy Wilburn, and Mark Christ. Additional reporting provided by the news team at KUAR in Little Rock. Matthew produced the program in the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. I'm Kyle Kellums. I'm Matthew Moore. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. All right, we have had um, very much cooler temperatures over the last 36 hours. Wouldn't you agree? It's uh, it's almost unsettling how nice it's been. <laughs> it, it, I woke up this morning and took a walk with my dog Daisy and thought, what time is kickoff? It felt like <laughs> autumn. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, in that spirit, a few things before we go that are happening outside. Um, there is a new audio sculpture at Kohler Mountain Bike Preserve. You can ride along the Razorback Greenway. It's all created by Craig Colarusso, who's done this sort of thing around northwest Arkansas and around the country, powered by solar. You can hear Ooh. the sculpture. Yeah, yeah. It's, he, he, he's borderline genius, I think. You can hear <laughs> the sculptures, and you don't even really realize you're hearing them. I don't know. It's hard to ex- explain unless you've experienced them. But you ride or walk under the bridges along the trail. You can also find a brief explanation uh, about what Craig has done from him. Just search YouTube for The Bridges at Kohler. Well, speaking of being outside and speaking of Bentonville, the Square to Square ride signups are open now. The ride starts in Bentonville. So for those unfamiliar, you ride from the Bentonville Square to the Fayetteville Square. I did the ride in the spring. We started in Fayetteville. We went to Bentonville. Two days later, I had a kid. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little worried about trying it this year. I'm hoping I don't end up having a kid two days after the fall ride. But the odds are in my favor, I think. Uh, you can find out more information at square2, the number, square 2 square. And speaking of bikes, uh, early next week, we've got a story from uh, Ozarks at Largest Anna Pope talking about bike safety and the intersection, sometimes literally, of cyclists sharing the roads with farm equipment. Hmm. All right. And that's going to be on next uh, an edition of Ozarks at Large next week. That's right. All right. Speaking of outside, I was outside this morning with my dog, Daisy. And you know what we saw, Matthew? Well, let me uh, tell you. Yes, please do. Okay, we saw a fox, we saw a groundhog, we saw more than 30 deer. This is in Mount Sequoia and, you know, city limits of Fayetteville. But we also saw, the first time I've ever seen it, and judging by a reaction, the first time Daisy has ever seen one, an albino skunk. Oh. Yeah. It was white where it's usually black and a little bit of black where it's usually white. Fascinating. I thought so. But we stayed clear. We'll be with you tomorrow. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. Historic Cane Hill presents the Cane Hill Harvest Festival, Saturday, September 16th, just 20 miles south of Fayetteville. This day of community traditions and family activities kicks off with an Ozark Country breakfast and features live music, crafts, and demonstrations. Guests can also enjoy the Arts and Eats Market, Kids Zone, and more. Full schedule and tickets at historiccanehillar.org. KUAF is partnering with local McDonald's owner-operators to bring you the KUAF Lunch Hour Summer Concert Series. Tiny, desk-styled concerts at different McDonald's locations across northwest Arkansas, the River Valley, and the Green Country. These concerts lead up to the Lunch All Day Mini Festival in September. Upcoming performances include artist-designer Tylo May, August 18th in Fort Smith, and the Little Rock-based duo Daz and Bree performs September 1st in Fayetteville. KUAF.com slash summer concerts for more.